The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. It is nearly winter solstice here, and you know what that means. The days are starting to get longer, which I'm happy about, because that means driving season is getting closer. I'm really happy about this. We are we are those guys where where it's just we and we live in a snowy place where we actually like to go skiing and be outdoors in the winter, and yet you and I are both still like the roads are snowed over. What exactly. a bummer! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, yeah, I just realized that we're a day away, and uh, I although you know skiing season, winter, you know holidays are great. Man, yeah, yeah, I, uh, after watching the Icon film, a bit of a shameless self plug there. We're watching these roads and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, I miss it. I miss it. So it's just, you know, optimism looking ahead to uh, to the new year yeah. here, up, nearly upon us, which is going to be crazy. And uh, well, I mean, now, which, now you know what I struggled through on Icon. You know oh, what I struggled man. through watching those those roads as it got colder and started to snow. And, I, and it was, as I was doing editing, was watching those roads kind of snow in and just going – Man, I'm months away from hitting those roads again, and they're so great. And and we had that premiere. You know, actually, a lot of you listening, uh, it must have been you guys. A lot of you guys watched our Facebook Live. We've never done a Facebook Live before. We did one that wrapped up the uh, the Q and A session the pr- that we did at our premiere. Which, which to everybody that came out for that, thank you for coming out. It was really fun to see it in a big room on a big screen and just have people enjoy it. Yeah. And then yeah. we actually did the Q and A as a Facebook Live. You can now find it on our Facebook page. We hadn't done that before. We thought, okay, let's do this. And a lot of you have watched it, so thank you for watching and responding to that. It was a fun little event. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And uh, the the good news for you is that you've got some vacation time coming up, some very well-deserved vacation time. I do. And so yes. what that means for everyone listening is we have asked Chance to step in once again and join us on the podcast. So Chance and I will be hosting this later this week, uh, next podcast. Yep. And yep. letting Todd go and just – I'm sure you'll listen to the podcast from afar and listen to, you know to stuff I will. we say. You know I but, will, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we we wish you a lot of just just turn your brain off. You don't have to do anything. Just relax and enjoy. And uh, and we'll take care of things through the end of the year. So. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I told you actually because – this is the other thing that happens behind the scenes. A lot of us, we everyday driver guys, hang out when we're not shooting. And actually, Edgar came into Salt Lake and joined us to, to be there for the premiere and did some snowboarding and stuff. And so we had kind of the everyday driver uh, core team from Icon was all here. And we were hanging out this weekend. And Sunday, I did – I was joking with this about you. I did less on Sunday than I've done in I don't even know how long. <laughs> I, I just did so little. Yeah. I had a day where I got actually nothing accomplished. Just hung out with my son. We played video games. We watched some movies. There was nothing accomplished. And I got to the end of the day and I thought, I actually don't remember the last time I did that. So it was awesome. And I'm looking forward to more of that later this week. My my in-laws are coming in, which is a down note. But then my <laughs> wife and I are leaving for a few days, which, which is, is an up note. <laughs> so because we know, we know, my, we know our, my son's in great hands. So my wife and I have kind of made this a, a, an early Christmas tradition of ducking away for a few days. Uh, right before actual Christmas Day. So we come back uh, right before Christmas Eve, and we're going to duck away for a bit, which is awesome. And you're right. I'm looking forward to having nothing I have to do at all, just nothing. It'll so well-deserved. All of you listening will have that that day as well. <laughs> I love how you – the in-laws come in and you guys leave. It's hilarious. It's it's like the best recipe. You've You've discovered it. 
It is. You've it, done it. It is kind of the best of all worlds. And please don't get me wrong. It's not like but the in-laws come in and my wife goes, no, we really ought to stay. She goes, okay, pack a bag. So, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, uh, we've got a great podcast. They're all great, right? We've got. A, we're going to have some fun here because I, we we have fun. If, if that's <laughs> the thing. We're here enjoying ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've got Ronald up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and he has been listening to the podcast for a long time. Ron, we're really thrilled that you wrote in. He is in, uh, as I said, Toronto. I'm saying that correctly because if you do not live there, you say Toronto with the hard T. So I've learned that. And uh, <laughs> I see. I, <laughs> I usually stay up near the uh, Four Seasons Performing Arts Center right in downtown Toronto. Love walking around. Yeah. There's some great Thai restaurants that I love. Really, really love that city. It's it's just so cool. There's It's just so much going on. People going every which way and uh, mm-hmm. just so, so on. And I see some hot cars there in downtown area. But uh, he is writing in for uh, something new. He's got a, a beater car, which we'll tell you about, that he is mm-hmm. looking forward mm-hmm. to replacing. And uh, I think he's replacing it. Maybe not. Well, there's an interesting – There's an interesting. should I it, – it's one of those should I tune this car discussions. That's right. It's a car he could get rid of, and it's one of those should I tune this car discussions. And I'm looking forward to getting, getting into this and talking about it from kind of all sides because he's one of those guys that he doesn't dislike his current car. It's just starting to get old. So, okay, all right, let's talk that through when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've also got Ed in Phoenix, Arizona. So we've got a place that's really cold and a place that's really mm-hmm. hot. And it's really he not. Is, yeah, uh, he's down in Phoenix, and he's got a pretty large budget of sixty-five k with a yeah. nice little possible bump on the budget, possibly ten percent extra, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, I don't want to give anything away about what he's looking for, but I think I have exactly his car. It doesn't come along Do very often. All right, good sniper shot. Let's do it. I look forward to that. That'll be yep. great. Yep, yep. But in the meantime, we've got uh, a lot coming up, and uh, it just seems like everybody is getting their dance partner. They're all partnering up now, and, you know, you've heard of Uber and Volvo in San Francisco. Well, now Waymo is partnering with Chrysler Pacifica for their self-driving car prototype, which I find they're making, kind They're of making funny. Waymo minivans? They totally Waymo are. Waymo minivans. That yeah. joke mm-hmm. is just, it's never going to die. It just doesn't get old. That's, it's, it's now part of the drinking. I'm sure it will get old. I, it, and for many, it probably already is old. But it's just add it to the drinking game. Our, here, here I'll, I'll go this far. Our new proclivity will be Waymo jokes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Water yeah. almost came if out I my nose right out, then. Almost. If I could figure out how to do a Waymo Porsche joke and make that my proclivity, we will have people passed out while listening to the podcast. Okay? This is how this is going to go down. Exactly. All bad. We're going to get notes from people saying, you jerks. You, you don't know yeah. what happened. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I'm just reading this and, and kind of shaking my head in bemusement here that, yeah, okay, everybody's uh, – Everybody's partnering up. Everybody's looking around, and it sounds mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. you don't want to be left flat-footed. You want to, you know, partner up with your car company for for your hybrid. If you don't make car, you know, cars or you don't yeah, have yeah, yeah. Uh, cars at your disposal, you got to get a partner quick. So, all right, Waymo and FCA with Pacificas because they carry a lot of people and stuff. Well, so, all right, all but, right. But Lyft and GM. Yep. Lyft is gonna is partnered with GM, and they're gonna use Bolts. So, I mean, the, the thing that's happening here is that this, to me, is interesting proof of something that we've joked about before and lots of others in the industry have joked about. I mean, this proves it, and so does Tesla, and that is 
making a car company is hard. <laughs> and it's really easy for all of these software companies to kind of blow through the doors with an explosion behind them and a cape on and be like, we're here to fix things. And then they realize <laughs> it's not – seriously. And then they realize it's not software. You're mass producing a vehicle with thousands of parts that thousands of people have to like for the next five years. And software companies suddenly at some point grind to a halt and go, wait a minute, what now? It's, yeah. it's difficult. I mean, look at the Fisker Karma and look at the, all of the car companies that have come and gone where it's like, I'm going to make the world's greatest car. No, you're not. No, you're just not. <laughs> you know. And so Tesla has so far dodged this bullet, but we've debated back and forth. You know, What's the long term for Tesla? We don't know. Many have speculated. But you, know, you look at the big boys. We may talk about them as being slow-moving dinosaurs, but they're able to consistently make cars. And the startups come along and go, wow, cars are tough. I mean, that's, that's what I see with this Waymo thing and Lyft partnering with GM. I mean, this is, this is software going, we need somebody with infrastructure and background that can help us do this. Well, speaking of startup, you had a thought about Faraday Future. And I, oh, think well, you should, I, had, I think you should tell the folks about this. this I is, had an observation. This is funny. A, a year ago, a year ago, Faraday Future did their big reveal, their live reveal at CES. And we watched it and we kind of – we almost live podcasted it. We watched the reveal and instantly recorded a podcast. <laughs> well, it's going to be one year at this next CES. Coming up beginning of 2017 will be the next CES. And they're going to be back. And this, this last couple days – Faraday Future's Twitter account has kind of lit up with these kind of veiled comments about how they're going to prove all the critics wrong and you know every and all it's done is made them stronger and they're about to produce a throwdown. I mean and people have picked some of this up and it's been talked about on Jalopnik and elsewhere and I just I I just want to say a little word of caution, not that they're asking me, but <laughs> once you start saying stuff like that, you have painted yourself into a massive corner where now you have to impress people. So these little these little tweets suggesting, well, you know, we're coming, we're going to prove all of you wrong, it's going to happen soon, suggests that something at this year's CES is going to blow all our minds, and I'm just going, that you're setting a bar for yourself that is high. I mean, so we if they see. fail, if they fail to really come through with something that, you know, people want to buy, we as in the royal we, the collective we, that I, I'm just really concerned because there's been so much in the news. There's so much behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. There's even extra mm -hmm. stuff behind yeah. the scenes yeah, yeah. that I'm aware of. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm worried because as of March 2016, they employed – between 600 and 800 people. Now, you can't buy anything from Faraday Future. They don't make or sell yeah, anything. Yeah. We cannot yeah. throw our money at them. They cannot take it because they have no product to sell us. And that is, this is six, six to 800 really highly trained, talented yeah. professionals who mm -hmm. are this, worth this, a this lot in salary. This isn't glorified interns on their first job out of college. No. They're going out and finding talent and paying them enough money to have them leave their prior jobs for Faraday. I mean, this, yeah, you're right. You're right. LinkedIn is full of those folks who have left prior solid companies because of the tantalizing, this is the next thing. Well, you know, the CES reveal of 2016 proved that to be not the case. We lampooned that car. And it deserved it, by the way. So mm. they better bring it for this year's CES. And by the way, I will be attending 2017 CES. 
This is Paul, everyone, and uh, I'm looking forward to going because I have spoken directly with Nissan. They are exhibiting three autonomous concepts. Volkswagen will mm. be showing their digitally networked electric car, whatever that means. And just about every other car manufacturer on the planet is now taking this show so seriously from a tech perspective. Yeah. But it's now yeah. the platform for all these startups like Faraday, Ativa, which has now been renamed. Uh, what else? Uh, Next EV, a whole bunch of other electric startups. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a bunch. So, and it's kind so of a CES, new show, you know? CES is going to have Waymo electric cars. Way Way more electric cars than you ever seen way more, before. Way more than we ever imagined. Oh, that's just. Uh, it doesn't get old. I'm, st I'm starting. It's still funny. I'm starting to annoy me. That's the thing. I'm starting to annoy myself now. That's what's happened. Well, interestingly, I would have thought that because cars are getting smarter, that insurance rates would have come down or s starting to come down. But I ran into another article here saying that is not the case. Both State Farm and Allstate, there's an article here saying they are hiking their insurance rates because they're more expensive to fix. Smarter cars with laden with more tech and more stuff in them are becoming mm -hmm. increasingly expensive to fix in the event of an accident, which makes sense. But I would have thought somehow we're going to balance out with cars we don't own and, you know, this the, uh, you know, self-driving autonomous age that that we've got here. It's not quite here yet, but I'm just wondering if that's what we do. What are insurance companies going to do? This is, I think, rocking their board mm -hmm. boat more mm -hmm. than anybody else. The rest of it are just kind of waiting for it to happen and probably kind of looking forward to your first fully autonomous car trip as a novelty more than anything. But the insurance companies, what are they going to do? So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. It's very curious to hear this part, and I think, all right, well, yeah, but. Where's the balance? So does that mean insurance is just going to continue to skyrocket for all of us? And then, you know, what happens to all of us enthusiasts that keep driving our own cars? I, I don't know. Um, anyway, I just thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting. To yeah, come I agree. Across. I mean, I think let's be honest. Insurance companies, well, I mean, I, I, they they have to figure all of this out like everybody else does, especially everybody that does legislation and rules and all of that. I mean, as we've joked and and surmised before, the tech is going to be ready long before the industry and its support network is ready. Yeah. So oh, that yeah. applies to these insurance companies as well. They're, they have all their metrics, and all of their metrics will be completely shifted by everything is now autonomous, or even a good percentage is now autonomous. But of course, they'll have to figure out those metrics even before that's the truth. Even before, you know, let's even say 25% of cars are autonomous, the insurance company is going to have to know, well, this is how we treat that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, right. it's the, right. this will be the problem, is not the tech of being able to do it, but everything else. Interesting. Well, yeah, this, uh, this year is just going to be amazing because the tech is just going to go nuts, of course, with VR as well. And uh, yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that. So. Yeah, it's it's just going to be crazy. So uh, I'm looking forward to actually a bit of a break and uh, maybe a good time to let you all know that we will be taking a break from the podcast the week between Christmas and New Year's. As I mentioned before, mm -hmm. Chance and I will be hosting the next podcast after this, but then we will wish everybody Merry Christmas at that point and just take a break yep. because uh, yep. it's been a big year and <laughs> we're, uh, we're resetting. So we're resetting for January 2017. And have a lot of stuff coming your way, and and I say that in uh, with uh, a lot of anticipation. But but Todd and I have a lot to get well, ready we, for as well. So yeah, we're just going to we'll be, be we'll downtown. be back. 
We'll be back when you guys are back. It'll be a Happy New Year uh, State of the Show podcast. I mean, we've done a State of the Show kind of the beginning, end of one year, beginning of the next year, each of the last few years. So it'll be our State of the Show podcast where we kind of break down what's coming, what's on our mind, what we, how we reflect back on the year prior. It'll be that podcast, which we're very excited about. That'll be the January 3rd podcast. When you go back to work, we'll be right there with you. So uh, we've got that we're already kind of prepping for. So we're not going to be sitting around doing nothing. Plus, it's hard for me to do nothing in case you've been following along. But uh, we are going to take that time off. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back then. Yep, exactly right. So for now, we'll jump into uh, the podcast here, the debates that we've got. And as I mentioned before, we've got Ronald up in Toronto. And uh, he is 25. He's married. And he and his wife are looking ahead to the future towards kids. And they're not quite there yet, so he's looking for something fun. But what he's got mm-hmm. now is a 2007 Acura CSX base. So he mentions mm-hmm. here it's not the Type S with the SI engine. It's just the base model, but it's got a lot of miles on it, and he just plans to drive until the wheels fall off, apparently, <laughs> so yeah. which is which is fine. I, I think that's great. You know, if if it's paid for and it's working for you, great. But he is looking ahead to the to the future for a lot of things, and mm-hmm, you know a mm-hmm. lot of maintenance issues are cropping up, some brake issues are cropping up here, and so again, as he looks ahead, he gives me the Paul limiter of thirty eight thousand nine hundred ninety nine and oh one cents <laughs> Canadian dollars. <laughs> Uh, Let's talk about being specific. That is a limiter. That is a, a specific <laughs> line in the sand for you there, Paul. So there's the bar. Imagine it like the reverse high jump. There's the bar. Can you get under it? This is what we're really talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're stopping at thirty. Well, yeah. That that's the number. We can't. I can't even round it up. You've been so specific. Yeah, I can't even round up. Do not round it up. That is the number. He that is, is specifically just... the number. It has commas and decimal points. <laughs> that is the number. <laughs> but but here's the interesting thing about this, Ronald, is that is that he's writing in and he's saying, okay, so I have this car that I really like. Now, if you look it up, the the Acura CSX, it is an, a Honda Civic in Acura clothing. I mean, that's, that's essentially what this car is. It is your base Acura, and it's been good for him. And so the the place where I think this is a little bit a little bit this could go two very different ways is in a lot of ways Ronald wants to keep it and just start tuning it mm-hmm. just start mm-hmm. throwing parts at it and make it a different car than it is but I but there's other paragraph here suggest with your Paul limiter he's willing to, to get rid of it and buy something else so my first thought is we, we've talked tuning many times before off and on and we actually have coming up in January we have our FRS comparison which is my tuned, naturally aspirated FRS versus a supercharged FRS. It's a very interesting discussion that went places I think neither of us expected. We're excited for that. But here's the thing about tuning that we've said a lot. There is a there is a breaking point where you've now spent enough money, should you have just bought a different car? And I, I know, I know that's a personal issue at some point. If you have a car you just, for all kinds of reasons you want to keep, then yeah, keep making it your own. But there's there's a point for me personally. I feel like it's around five to seven grand. Once you spent five to seven grand, you're into a different level of automobile. And there's a part of me that just goes, go buy that other automobile. But he's talking about maybe full engine swaps, engine transmission. I mean, he's talking about going full out on this car or getting something else. And I have to go ahead and admit to you, Ronald. I think with what you're starting with here. I submit to you it makes more sense to go with a different car 
than to throw things like engine and transmission swaps at this one. I think I think it's the better choice for long-term reliability, for hassle factor, because now you're talking about a project car, and for benefit and cost and even new experience. I think that's the wrong way to go. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. And as a matter of fact, Ronald, since you gave me a specific number, I am going to say that you cannot apply specific numbers to project cars because <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You can't put a specific price on this engine swap will cost this much, the brakes will be this much, because you'll always think, huh, well, now that I've got the car apart, I could do blank to it. And mm, then it's mm-hmm, a money pit. Mm-hmm. That just happens with project cars. That's the nature of them. That's part of the fun, yep. to be honest. Yep. But it's not it, yeah. something for you at this point in, in your life. I mean, I and I don't say that because of your age. I say that because you are looking towards a family and you're, you're telling us that. And I'm just kind of thinking the newer car, save your money and put it towards that rather mm-hmm, than the project mm-hmm. car. If you keep this and it keeps running, great. And you maybe just put some money into it to keep running. But I don't even think the platform to start with is the right one to start modding, to be honest. I to, agree. To really I agree. turn it yeah. into something yeah. hot. I mean, of course, Mitsubishi Evo, Subarus, you know, the, the usual suspects come to mind. But I just I'm I'm hesitant about really throwing money into this one and I don't think you'll ever get that money back out. It will be a black hole no, of definitely of, not. Definitely not. You know, experimentation. That will be a good yeah. learning experience, but that's about all that will be. And, and uh, well, we all know learning experiences a, don't reflect well on your wallet. <laughs> this is true. But see, there's a difference, though. I mean, I hate, I hate to beat on it again because we beat on it before, <laughs> but he can defend himself next podcast. Chance has this project car Mustang, okay? But his project car Mustang – no, but honestly, that's, it's, it's a good example because his project car Mustang doesn't have to be his daily driver. Right, right. Which this is the key thing for Ronald. What I'm hearing is this is my daily driver and I'm thinking about going nuts with it. That's a frightening scenario because when it isn't running, now you have a serious problem. And if you're wanting to, get, to create a car that is reliable for your family, and that's where you're, you're wanting to head. You guys want to have two kids, reliable for your family, it's a fun car, and yet you know, still needs to run and do all that kind of stuff. I, I think the project is the wrong avenue. If you have the ability to have that car plus a car you're, you're just tinkering with, that's a different animal. It's not where we are, though, here. Agreed. So I, I definitely stayed away from the let's tune this car and went into, okay, we've got a decent budget. And you've thrown out your favorites honestly, of your own uh, with this budget. You've talked about the WRX, the Audi A3, the Volvo V60, and the Acura TSX Sport Wagon. You want something with a hatch body shape, ideally. So um, that's kind of the stuff you threw out. That got my brain working with your budget. I came up with a couple, but where did you go, Paul? I came up with with three choices. They're all very different. Okay. And okay. my first choice is really the one I'm leaning towards. I like your choices, Ronald. The WRX, of course. How can you go wrong with an A3 or the TSX Sport Wagon, as Todd said? All those are great. I think they're in the usual suspect category that will be great and you'll like them. And Mm -hmm. it won't branch you out. And here's an opportunity to branch out. And so I looked at the 2017 Volkswagen Alltrack. Now, stay with Mm. me here. Okay. Okay. This is a car with all-wheel drive, of course. It's the Haldex system. But for Toronto, could be excellent. And I'm reading here that the suspension and the steering feel on this car is more fun than the Subaru and more planted. This is a car that starts at $26,000 and can be had with the manual or the 7-speed DSG that Todd and I Mm -hmm. like. 
So I'm looking at this thinking, all right, if you started there and kind of load it up just like you want, we'll easily bang on your budget. We'll, we'll you know, ma match that budget very, very straightforward, straightforward way. And so I'm just wondering if this could, uh, if this appeals to you because it is a new model and I'm wondering if there will be some of that GTI goodness lurking in this car that is just going to say mm -hmm. fun, but it's going to really work for your future plans for your family. And it's at the right price point. It's got the right kind of space, but still good compact size. And like I said, the, the things that I'm reading about it, we have not driven it yet. As a matter of fact, it could make a good winter review for here in Utah, uh, mm. you know, talking about those kind of cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at that. And so I look at this as really the viable option. My other two here are drift a bit, and then my wild card really drifts, and you can consider Shocking. that. yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I suggest, I thought of this Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk, and I say the Trailhawk because it looks so hmm. good, and I, I love the look, but now we're getting away from the fun and more into the utility and space and that kind of stuff. And I just... I can't get there on the looks of the Cherokee, even in Trailhawk form. I just—it's grown it's on me. It's—it's it's strange. It's taken know like it it's... four years, and here it's finally growing <laughs> it's on me. And I'm like oh grown on you like an oddball cancer. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's, <laughs> right. I just can't get there. The, the, I can't the get scab there, yeah. that you keep picking, you know, like, huh? Yeah, the, the, yeah. Stop, stop. <laughs> this is not getting better. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yes. As soon as we start talking about anything medical, I just I shut down. I I can't deal with it. <laughs> the surgery channel is like the bane of my existence, so I I cannot do it. Um, <laughs> and it, here's the thing: they should put the surgery channel right next to the Food Network. <laughs> solve a whole lot of problems. Fewer people. You you just you would oh, accidentally God. wind up eating to the wrong channel. You're like, no, no, I'm done. I'm good. I'm not going to eat anymore tonight. That's I fine. just yes, oh yeah, finish. I flip past. I'm like, what are they sewing up? Huh? Nope, keep flipping. Don't. No, just... no, no, no. All bad. That that leads nowhere good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, interesting that you went there. Did you, what else did you have? Because you're you're close to something that I wanted to talk about. But what else did you have? Okay, so the last one here on my plate is a wild card. It's very very wild. But I went to school with a guy named Kareem Habib, who is now the head of design for BMW. He reports to the chief of design, Adrian Van Hoydunk, and I think Kareem is going to lead the charge. I mean, he brought us that hmm. Hmm. M2 CS concept. He's been bringing us the, the hotness. And so BMW has talked about the 2018 BMW X2. And even though I think, huh, what about a two-series wagon? The X2 is something that is interesting because it's the size between the wagony type of fun cars that we talk about and a little bit bigger SUV. And I have high hopes for this car. Of course, you know, I, I also like Kareem. I like what he's doing. I like, you know, mm -hmm. BMW in general. And uh, I'm just really intrigued by this new X2 concept. Of course, it is the, you know, BMW being the king of let's find the niche within the niche that will appeal to 846 yeah, buyers only seriously. and will sell the heck out of that little corner of the market. Yeah. I, I think the X2 has potential for more appeal because of the lower stance. It's, it's not quite an SUV, but it isn't a car. It's not a wagon. It's mm -hmm. really even more in between. It's not even an X4 type of clunky looking <laughs> design. <laughs> So <laughs> it's I have a high slice hopes. of a slice of a. It's, it's, it's a just insane. Super paper thin slice, but I say that because Ronald is looking to the future. Their mm -hmm. kids are two or three years away, and I think Ronald, if your car hangs on for another couple of years here, 
and this 2018 BMW X2 appears on the scene, maybe you've saved a little bit more money and you're interested in it because I'm super intrigued by this thing. So go look it so, up. Consider wait, that. That's my I'm following. I'm following box. the product line here in BMW. So we have the X6, which is the <laughs> X5, but looks more like a sports car and is less usable. And if you decide the X6 is just far too large and too much utility for your needs, then we have the X4. But if you decide that the X4 is just a boat, I mean, that's way too much SUV. This is why we have the X2? Is this where we're going? It certainly is. And it's not the X1, which is way too small. I mean, uh, but, come on. Well, but the X1 looks too much like an SUV now. I mean, the True. X2, I'm sure, will be much more coupe It's just... It will be more coupe uh, coupe I mean, I'm... Here's the thing. A part of me is terrified that I've actually followed BMW's logic here because I'm looking at it going, this shouldn't make any sense. But yet <laughs> here I am actually marching my way through the model designations and just making it up and going, yeah, I see how they got there. But please, I saw a, a GT this week, uh, a 5 Series GT, and that car is attra- unattractive from every angle. I just... He, I agree. He went, he went I by agree. me. He went by me on the road and I just thought... A perfect example of a BMW nobody ever asked for. There it is, right there. It's just like the poster child for that. And they keep cranking these out. I hope, I agree with you, I hope the X2, let's hope it looks cool and it appeals to somebody. It'll appeal to 50 people, the BMW does now. But, yeah. (laughs) Everyone, Todd hates all the SUVs that BMW makes, but he loves the cars. So just wanted to caveat that, just in case you couldn't pick up on that from his uh, ranting. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the it's the it's the even numbered SUVs specifically that bother me. Right, I, I forgot mean, about that part. I don't I don't like the odd numbered ones. I think the X5 is worthwhile, but beyond beyond that I'm kind of like really, but the the even numbered ones it's like guys, stop it. I mean, and we ranted about this even in the film as well. Actually, I should be honest. I ranted about this in the Icon <laughs> right, film. Right, little specific. And there. that is that 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 BMW has decided that they're their odd-numbered cars are their four-door sedans, and their even-numbered cars are their coupes. Now, so far, I'm with you. But then we have the Grand Coupe in the four or the six, which is actually a four-door, but it's kind of a coupe shape. It's just stop. Just stop. <laughs> oh, it's that question we had a few podcasts ago about cleaning up their lineup. I wish they would. But, hey, they're selling them, so okay. Um, back to Ronald here, a desperate attempt <laughs> to help our friend Ronald and to get me away from ranting about BMW. Um, let's see. I'm you've curious. listed some, some you've listed some interesting stuff here with the WX and the A3, and that got me thinking about okay, small interesting hatches, and I feel like there are three conspicuously missing from your list, all of which you should go drive and seriously consider, um, because we're trying to get you more fun, and your current your current car has almost two hundred thousand kilometers on it, so it's got some good some good years behind it here. So anything we get, even if it's slightly used, is going to be just a great step up to a much newer car. But Acura has always kind of had pretty nice interiors, even, you know, back there at 07 was what your car is. So, I mean, I thought about that as well. And I thought, wait, hang on. You could look, if you're looking, chasing fun, you need to look Focus ST. Now, I didn't go, I didn't go Fiesta. I am talking Focus. You can't get into an RS that's past your budget. Focus ST Decent size, genuinely fun to drive. You could look at that. That may be a little more focused toward fun than what you're wanting. So I backed off of that and said, you need to drive the Mazda 3 hatch. Good-looking car. Everyone I know that owns one loves it. You can get them for your budget. 
Uh, you can get one-year-old ones. You'd be shocked at how fast those cars depreciate first year, which is true of most cars. But I know somebody that got a loaded model that was list price of 33. He bought it a year old at 25. I mean, that's wow. You got an amazing that's car. Okay, he drives deal. it every day. Loves it. Yeah, exactly. So you really need to drive the Mazda 3. It has a surprisingly good interior. I mean, you, you every time I sit in one, I'm just like, this is a great interior. And yet, in spite of not being a high-performance version, it is really good on a back road. It's genuinely fun to drive. So look at the Mazda 3. And then I have to say, I feel like the GTI is conspicuously absent on this list. Now, I realize, I looked it up, I realize a new one is past your Paul limiter. Even the base ones, that like the cheapest GTI, new GTIs I found are like a thousand Canadian dollars above your Paul limiter. So that's out. But I am currently looking at, and this isn't the only one, in Toronto, a 2016 performance pack GTI with a DSG. That's pretty loaded up. They want 34.9 for it. It has only 12,000 kilometers. It is certified pre-owned at Midtown Toronto. Really? Volkswagen dealer. So I'm sitting here going, this is going to be a great place to be. It's going to be a fun car to drive. It's going to feel like a massive upgrade from where you are right now. It's in your budget. It's got, mileage-wise, very low. It's certified pre-owned. I just feel like, and this is not the only example. I'm just finding you an example in talking about it. Uh, so I really think the GTI needs to be in consideration. Uh, humorously enough, on this GTI page, on this on this website in Toronto, there is a cross-promotion ad for the Mazda 3. So clearly I'm on to something. Money. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think you need to drive those cars, take a serious look at them, because what we're talking about here is cars that are going to feel fun right as you buy them. And then they're going to do all the other family stuff as well and upgrade you in the process. I think this is where to be. Lots of stuff to consider, Ronald, and hope that helps. I really like what Mazda's doing, and I wanted to mention their 2017 CX-5 and CX-3. Man, they just keep getting better. It just seems like every model, Mazda has really, really found something, and they just keep looking better and better. I, I just feel like across the board, we're in this age now where car design is just really defined. Every brand has found their voice. And we're just in this, we're ready for really good-looking cars here very soon. So I'm excited about that. For better and for worse, every brand has found their voice. I agree well, with that. I mean, yeah. I actually got in the new CX-5 at the LA Auto Show. And oh, you did? It, it looks like a nice refining of the styling. <clears throat> and then it's, it's that thing that happens with every automaker. They have some new car that comes out with new interior design thinking. And you sit there and you realize, oh, this interior is going to work its way through the entire lineup. The CX-5's just done that. Hmm. And so it's a slight revision from what the all – and the Mazda interiors have been nice. You buy a current whatever, and the Mazda interiors are pretty nice. But the CX-5 now has a different interior, at least the upcoming one, than the current CX-3. A nice refining of their interior language. It's going to probably work its way through everything else. I, yeah, I agree with you. Mazda's doing really, really good stuff right now, and I do, I do like the new CX-5. Cool. Well, as I said, hope that helps, Ronald. Hello to Toronto and uh, really uh, love it there, as I said. St. Lawrence Market is, of course, fun to walk around and just love that downtown area. So anyway, hello to all of you there. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And by the way, while you're at it, if you would please rate and review, it really does help us. And it's going to continue to help us for 2017. And I know that sounds cryptic, but it just really helps push our numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely, we're, we're looking forward to a lot of big things in 2017. And so rating and reviewing just helps us tremendously. So if you think about it, if it helps you, if, if you just enjoy it and we're entertaining the daylights out of you, we just would really appreciate the rating and reviewing <laughs> on your part. So. 
or or we're or, or we're annoying you and you want to give us way more bad ratings i'm sorry right. that's terrible i uh, yeah okay gotta stop yeah but we're, we we love having you with us and thank you for all the responses that we have gotten this calendar year that has helped i i honestly it's hard for me to tell you how surprised we are by how much this podcast has grown just in 2017, which makes us even more excited going forward. We're already talking behind the scenes about some little tweaks to the podcast and lots of other things. So uh, we're excited to share all of that. As we lock it down, you'll be the first to know. So, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate all your, your responses. And we do read everything. I know that sounds nuts. Some days... I hate that we do that, but we do do that. We do read everything you send, even if we don't respond to all of it. So thank you for that interaction as well. That's right. Well, on to Ed in Phoenix, Arizona. He has written us uh, one of the shorter emails, but very concise. And I worked hard on this, Ed. I just want you to know. He lives in Phoenix, as I said. He has got a 30-minute commute, so only seven miles. So he's looking for Mm -hmm. something that's automatic, so manual's kind of out the window. He's got kids. They're currently five and seven years old. And every week he's asked to pick them up around once or twice during the week from school. So mm-hmm. that is – But it's a, con- but it's a consistent the- thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Part of the equation there. And Ed is a German car fan. He's had an 89 Carrera Targa. He's had a 95 Carrera Coupe. And he's also had a 2008 Z4 Coupe from BMW. So – that's what he's selling right now. So I love your taste in cars. Great <laughs> yeah. stuff. This has been your daily drivers. The budget is dramatically different than lots of budgets we usually work with. So this is also yeah, kind true, of fun. True. It makes it difficult, though, because you think a higher budget means, woohoo, I found, you know, easily found it. Well, of course, at every budget point, there's always, oh, if you could just go 10 grand more, it's the perfect car. <laughs> You always need a little bit more than you have. That's is, always the case when you're shopping for fun cars, admit, which is terrifying, but true. Yeah, I admit it's kind of what happened to me on this one. I I think I found your the the most perfect car I can possibly do that's on the really? market. I think you haven't done so. a sniper shot in a while. I'm very very curious to hear about this because obviously we're in a situation where it's got to have usable back seats. Well, so that's <clears> that's just makes say this, no car is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, or 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 somewhat. You know, look, I have a seven-year-old. I put in the back of an FRS. I, somewhat. And when I say usable back seat, these are small people. Okay, so there's there's some flexibility there. Uh, you're not putting me in a back seat, but yeah. Right. Um, so it's got, but it's got to be usable to, to actually run the kids around. And uh, and he loves cars with an analog feel. And he bemoans the fact that's getting harder and harder to find. He likes convertibles quite a bit, but you can see he's owned a couple of coupes. I mean, the Carrera was a coupe, so was the Z4. So it's not like that's a requirement. He wants some genuine power. He said at least, in his mind, about 350 horsepower or more. So these are all things that start taking pieces out of the equation very rapidly. I came up with uh, with three recommendations, though, but I'm very curious about your sniper shot. <laughs> it's, it's as perfect as I can get it. It's not perfect. Okay. I will stop okay. caveating yeah, it. Go. But, man, I uh, – Y- y'all are going to laugh at me because you think yeah. I'm going to go Porsche. Obviously, 911s have the back seat. By the way, they do. Ed wants a convertible too. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he loves the ideally, analog feel. Ideally, he would. As Todd but, said, yeah. but he loves the open top, rear-wheel drive, lots of power, nimble, mm-hmm. handling feel, all that stuff. And I'm thinking, huh, what you need is a four-seat 1990 Ferrari Mondial convertible. 
But that is the last car we recommend that you consider. That's, They're exactly sixty-five thousand. But that's the last 000. thing you need. That's the last the way, thing you need. If yeah. you've ever wondered about that car, I think it's probably the junkiest Ferrari you would ever consider or ever come across. But they're exactly 65000 these days. So just wanted to put that out <laughs> well, there. Well, yay. I mean, Thanks. four seats, convertible, power, blah, and it'll never see 10 miles down the road. All right. Wow. So <clears throat> without further ado, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I worked hard on this. All right. So just it's – all right. Here we go. Would, would you oh, – hang on. Would you prefer if I went first since you've got a sniper shot you're hanging on to? Do I need to just it's run around a bit? It's only going to tease everybody so, further, you realize. I'm fine with it, but if everybody's going to just grind their teeth, Look, then... I, that, that, that's fine. I mean, you've got a sniper shot, which has got some got some <laughs> pomp and circumstance to it, which is fine. So I'll just... I'll look, I'll jump in here, okay? okay hopefully okay, I won't right. steal your sniper shot. All right. But uh, there's three cars I thought of here that speak to everything you want, with the exception of convertible. Because I noted you, want, you, you talk about wanting a convertible, but... Two of the last three cars you've owned have been powerful coupes. So I went, okay, doesn't have to be a convertible. I will say if you want to go convertible, you could get one of my options in a convertible, and that is you could take a serious look at at a used uh, an M3. The, uh, yeah. the E90 generation yeah, comes as an as a uh, hard top retractable hard top convertible in the – I'm probably going to get it wrong. I believe it's the E91 was what it was called. Now, generally, I'm not going to recommend the convertible version of a high-performance sports car, but you can get hardtop, retractable top, M3. That's a real consideration here. If if you want all of those pieces of the puzzle, a and you already are too. a BMW guy, you don't not see very those. common. I remember, I, I yeah, you don't see very many, but I remember seeing a few in LA, and I see them every now and then. I always notice them because it's a cool combination of things. If you really want to stick on, stick with that convertible, I think that's a worthwhile option. So there's that one that is convertible. But the two others I thought of that are well within your budget that I think do everything you need. You need the back seats. You want the automatic. You need, you know, you need a good automatic. You want all of these kind of things. Uh, you need to drive the Mustang GT350. Drive it. Good, good. You could, you could get one. And then you should take a serious look at the BMW M2. Now, the 1M is out because the 1M is stick shift only. You talk about wanting analog feel, I thought 1M, but you can't do that with an automatic. So look at the M2. That's within your budget for sure. If for some reason the M2 isn't working for you, you could step down to the M240i, which is the new version of that car just under the M2. Just size-wise, yeah, you can get kids in the back. This is a larger interior than my FRS. My FRS will fit my son. So I, I put him in the back of the M2 when we had it. And it, I mean, it's usable, absolutely usable. So I think those are my, uh, my two main ones are the, the BMWs, either the M2 or the M240i, uh, and then drive the Mustang GT350. That is a car that is going to surprise you with its dynamics and yet <clears throat> is genuinely usable as a cabin. And if you needed to go bigger than that E91 M3, those are my top three for you. But I'm very curious, Paul, where you landed. Those are good. I really like your Mustang suggestion. I really do. And maybe, maybe your suggestions might take the cake here. But without well, and his oh, his man. budget allows him to do those, which is what's great. Well, I yeah. mean, he yeah, yeah. genuinely can afford those cars, which is cool. All right, here you go, <clears throat> Ed. I look this car up. It it pushes on your budget. It does push on your plus 10% part of the budget here. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm listening. I'm very curious. Ready? <laughs> I guess. I guess. 2011 Aston Martin V8 Vantage S Roadster. Now, 
the obvious glaring problem is it doesn't mm-hmm. have back seats. But stick this with me for just problem. for just a dreamy moment here. Just stick with me here. <laughs> How big is the trunk? No, that's a terrible <laughs> thought. I'm sorry. Keep going. This car is upgraded to the 430 horsepower V8 with a sound from the exhaust that will make you sob big man tears of joy. (laughs) Okay. All right. So this car is unique, too, because it has the Sport Shift 2. So that means it's a single-clutch, seven-speed sequential manual. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also has upgraded bushings, springs, and dampers. The dampers are stiffer for this S model, and the steering ratio is quicker than the base model, which really fits into the I really want that nimbleness, the handling feel. And of the many cars that Todd and I have driven, Porsches and Lotus are up there, but Aston's got to be somewhere kind of nipping at the heels of handling feel. We like our Astons. Yeah. Now – the problem the Vantage is, is, is a really good is a really good car in that it regard is. for sure. And this just wow, I mean just can you imagine picking your kids up at school and rocking the Aston? I mean the I <laughs> well, solved they the problem. Sit tandem in the passenger seat. <laughs> I solved the problem of not having the back seats because if you're rolling uh-huh. heavy in an Aston up to school, you have yes. to take two trips. You'll have to take kid number 1 home. And then you'll have to come back to school <laughs> and take kid number two. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> Solved. Solved. Terrible idea. You're right. You get more time in the car, but let's hope the commute to and from the school run is short. <laughs> but yeah, I take your point. All right. I mean, you get to drive the car more. Each kid gets the special yes. individual experience of riding this with you. This is true. I mean, an Aston Martin rocking. Oh my gosh, they would love you. The sound alone, if you blip the throttle once. <laughs> The entire school will run outside to see who it is. I guarantee you. And there's cars that are great. I mean, I'm not knocking your choices, but an Aston is really special. You see one of those and you're just thinking, wow, that is a different level. Again, you're going to have to push on your budget. It doesn't quite solve the problem with the back seats. I realize I I still don't know what to do with that, but I would love for you to have an Aston Martin. I would love this. You know what this – you know what this has made me think of, though? Hmm. The, the Evora should be in this conversation. It is. It is. That, know, I the, thought of that, too. Our, I thought of Our that friend too. Craig that loaned us his Evora S, it was an automatic, and he does the school run in it. Yeah, he does. So you know you you haven't you haven't you haven't talked Ed about how how tall you are. I mean, if you're if you're our size and you're kind of a giant in a small car, then then that's a different issue. But uh, assuming you're a normal sized person and so are your children, uh, that that Lotus can genuinely work for the school run. It really can. And and like I say, our friend Craig does that in his Evora S, and it's an automatic. And you know, the, one of the things about the Evora, and I and I say this as a guy that sniffs around the Evora, awesome. I mean, often. One of the things about that car, besides how much I would really like to have one, I mean, some of you have even written in and mentioned this. I'm sure you've heard, if you looked around the Evora at all, the very early ones, like when they first came out, 2010, 2011, I think at some point then they resolved it. But the uh, the very early ones, if you need a clutch, it is a clamshell off, has a nasty comma in it cost to get that done. But yeah. if you have the automatic, yeah. which didn't even come out for the first couple of years, you've now ducked that issue as well. Now, I'm the idiot that would still buy the uh, the 2010 stick shift. <laughs> You'd I am be like, guy. whatever, but, I'd uh, still get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, st- uh, still me. But, uh, but, you know, so you're even ducking that problem. 
And uh, that is a that is a contender here. I don't think it's as roomy a contender by the other standards we've talked about, but I think it it can be in here for sure. So therefore, my conclusion is that you should get a 1990 Ferrari Mondial. There you yeah, go. That we really we could have saved everyone listening like ten minutes and just said <laughs> Mondial and moved on. I mean, just there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm sure there's such junk. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I hope nobody listening has a Ferrari Mondial because you're gonna just tell me how the it's the greatest car ever, but anyway. Uh, yeah, no car is perfect, clearly, but Ed, hope that yeah. helps. I love Todd's suggestions, but I would love for you to rock an Aston Martin. I mean, you can get the key fobs. An Aston Martin the, on the school the bag, run. You can get the, all the accessories. Figure out. Figure out. You're, you're just about the accessories. It's, it's the Aston Martin equivalent of your Porsche love. Totally. Like, you know, this comes with a, oh, stop. Totally. Anyway, yeah, okay. Love that part. All right. Let's uh, let's do some Facebook questions and wrench ourselves away from this part of the conversation. Um, we had uh, we had uh, Todd Forno wrote in and asked. Uh, he said, "Do we have any thoughts about offering a trip like pilgrimage, but here in the states?" Uh, I'm too early to give you details, but the short answer is yes. We are looking into doing exactly that. Uh, they would be obviously cheaper and shorter than the European version. We have stuff we're working on. Uh, as the as the year progresses, we'll tell you more. But great idea. Please know that it's, we've already pondered it. But I appreciated that you asked that question. Yep. Thank you for that. Sean Clark also has a very quick question that I will kill instantly. He says, would you drive a Prius for a year in exchange to be able to drive your dream car for a week? No, 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 and no, 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 no. I yeah. will keep looking at my yeah. dream car in the pages of magazines and not have to drive a Prius. And I'm we sorry. We have to – there's – yeah. There's some 2017 content is going to be our Prius diaries from recently <laughs> driving the Prius. And, yes, the, the answer to that is an absolute no. I mean, here's the thing. The, the, the They would almost make it worse. It's like you drive this terrible car for a year just to only have a week with the dream girl. It's like, oh, that's no, that's no fun. That's not good. Yeah, all bad. <laughs> just because the other 51 weeks are just no, no. Just can't do it. So, uh, oh, by the way, Charlie James, our friend in Germany, who uh, we met in Frankfurt. We've met him before, and thanks again for the Schmucker beer, Charlie. He writes to us, and he said, we found the, the perfect E46 M3 for Icon film. So if you haven't seen that film, we would love for you to see it. But he mm-hmm. also said he went through with the M2, and it's guilt- getting built in January. What is up with that? Is it because you live in Germany yeah. and you're near the mothership and you can I wondered that, too. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I haven't you, even you, heard you of haven't even officially gotten your build slot, and Charlie just walked in somewhere in Germany. We're like, I'd like an M2. And they said, we'll build in January, sir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But congrats. Yeah, but What's what up I, with that? What I do like there is that he sent us in that, that car debate and asked us what we thought he should do because we'd just seen his gorgeous brand-new M4. And based on the stuff he was telling us, we both kind of went, I think you kind of want an M2. He's decided to go M2. So every now and then we get it right, which is nice. Yeah. But thanks for writing in uh, and telling us that as well, Charlie. And I agree. You need to make some calls to your friends at BMW and ask <clears> – <throat> some status questions because apparently people like our friend Charlie are walking into BMW and just ordering up cars. Seriously. So, uh, yeah. I'm just out here in outer space apparently, so they mm-hmm. must have forgotten about me. All right. Uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, Charlie, congrats. That's awesome. And uh, we look forward to seeing photos when you get it. I'm curious what color you're mm-hmm. going to get. So anyway. He'll probably get the blue. I think he'll get the blue. That's, yeah. that's, that's the color on that car. Yeah, it uh, is. Let's see. Uh, Ryan Inns wrote in and said he wants to know how on earth we put this podcast together from two different locations. 
Uh, he said, feel free to be geeky on specs. Look, it's it's not, it, there's nothing magical about it. What we were very concerned about when we set out to do this podcast is we wanted decent recording quality. And, you know, sometimes we still don't get it as right as we'd like. But we wanted it to sound as close to studio as we could get without a whole lot of cost. So both Paul and I got a fairly simple USB uh, plug-in microphone, and we have surrounded it with foam to uh, duck down the uh, the random sounds that you hear in the background, duck down the room tone. So we both sit in front of that microphone separately in front of our own computers. And what essentially happens is we get on a phone call where we're having a normal conversation, and then we are each individually recording our audio. Yeah. And then we take yeah. those two audio strips and we sync them together, and suddenly you have a podcast. Uh, now, the variation of that is when we have guests, which is one of the reasons we haven't run to guests too much is because that's the technology wildcard. Because depending upon the recording quality of the guest side of the conversation, that kind of brings everybody down. I hate to say that, but you know, if they end up with a lot of room tone or bad mic or whatever, that now exists underneath Paul and I as well. But the other thing we learned recently, actually, because we did this when we did that uh, behind the scenes of Icon with Edgar and Chance, Paul and I can do this on just the phone. Because mm -hmm. we know each other yeah. and our inflections well enough, we can jump back and forth pretty easily. When we get on with other people, it really helps for us to be on Skype because then you get the visual cues as well about, oh, that person wants to say something or, oh, that person just went quiet. That actually helps to have the Skype reference uh, when we're doing a, a multi-person one. Paul and I are able to do it just off the phone. And the irony is when we did our live podcast at our Chicago track day last year, it was the first time <laughs> Paul and I have ever done the podcast in the same room together which was a whole other new twist. Besides the fact we had an audience, we were also standing there going, I can look at you right now. That's weird. But it worked out anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. So we, again, we're looking out for you. We're, we're thinking about you guys because we want it to be, you know, really sound great and uh, wherever you're listening to. And that's worldwide. Yeah. And we thank you tremendously for, for tuning in and listening because we're having some fun here. And, uh, again, hope you are too. What else? Looking through the list here. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Brad Martin asks about our favored track weapon and gave us a choice here of Ariel Adam, the 818, or a Caterham, or anything mm -hmm. else. And uh, we've had some fun track cars. I mean, anything from, you know, like Todd's FRS is fun. We've liked yeah, the, uh, the Focus and the Fiesta STs. Those have been delightful. I kind of like it when we get into a little bit bigger, more powerful cars like the M4 yeah. and the uh, Mustang GT. Definitely want to take a GT350 or the R on a track. That would be, I true. think, true. insane. Yeah. But I've got to go with BAC Mono. I want to drive that car. It's It eats at my you. brain. I hear you. Yeah. It just eats at me. And they continue mm -hmm. to perfect and improve that car, and I'm just – Pretty over the moon about it. Really, really like that thing. So that would probably be my choice for uh, for the track weapon, even though I haven't even driven it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's talking purpose purpose built or, or track intended stuff, which I mean, I think you're obviously you're perfectly safe in the BAC mono, and I would love to drive that as well. I, that that just almost feels like you bought a track related spaceship, but uh, but very cool. Um, I I so want to drive the eight one eight. I'm incredibly fascinated by that car. Um, I have to say that any time I've had a chance to have a Lotus on a track, I love it. Uh, the X Siege on track intrigues the heck out of me. Uh, the Caterham, 
what feel felt like one of those cars you could really just laugh constantly. We watch our Caterham 620 RPs. Felt like <laughs> one of those cars on a track day you would laugh your way through the entire track day and you would constantly be learning. That is that car seems to me is one of those cars like the Ariel, like some of these others that you only want it for track days. I, I just I, I got to the pits and I was like I didn't have nearly enough time in that car and yet I only want to drive it here. <laughs> I don't want to drive it home. So that was one that I really, really loved and would love to do that again. But I have to say, I have to call it out. The brief amount of time we've had in a in the the current the nine nine one Porsche GT three mm. makes me go, what a track car! Because because yeah. every time we go to the ring, <laughs> here's this tiny little town in Germany, okay, in Nurburgring, tiny <laughs> right. little town. I mean, a town where anywhere else in the world the cars would be so completely unremarkable because there's tiny little houses and you wonder what people do for a living. All of that is true in Nurburgring, except. Every building has a Porsche GT3 parked outside of it. You see more there than you will anywhere else. And then you go to Spa, and it's like they handed them out in the pits. So the brief amount of time we've had in that car makes me go, okay, there's something special going on here. I would love to drive that car. However, that brings me back to that GT3 RS40 we drove for the oh. end of the 50 years of 911. Oh, yeah. That's oh. a car we didn't get to track. How much fun would that car be on a track? Uh, yeah, that just, I can't even imagine. And we still have on our to-drive list for 2017 the Cayman GT4. We want to put that with Paul's GTS. I'm intrigued about that as well. But I have to come back to the Exige I love and the 818 I'm fascinated by. Those are two high on my list. Yeah, anything with downforce and slick tires, right? That would be. Yeah, well, and, and, and you know me. I want it to be tiny. I yeah, want it to be tiny. I know. I, I do. I just, just that's you love that's go karts kind of around you. That's Nothing. my proclivity. There it is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. All right. What else on your list? What else uh, stuck well, out here? Mark <clears throat> Mark wrote a, a fun question that made me think about uh, maybe think about a couple of times I've done this. Maybe think of some stories. Mark uh, Games wrote in and he said, "Have you guys ever done drives where you want to clear your mind?" Whether it's meditative or after bad news or something like that. And look, I just like to drive. Period. I mean, I can be having an awesome day and go for a drive and the day got better. But there have been a few times in life when I just get incredibly on edge or I have a fight with someone I love and I just go for a drive. Now, I fully admit there is that thing where you're that worked up. You probably shouldn't go for a drive. But and I, and I admit that. that and, I, and I'm aware of that any time I leave the house and I'm in that mood. And it's only happened a few times, but I, I'm aware of that. I remember doing it one night in L.A. in the 300ZX. I went up, I went up Highway 2 at like midnight. And here's what happens. This invariably happens really late at night. Okay, I had a fight with my dad once and this happened. I had a fight with my wife once and this happened. I mean, it happens really late at night when you probably should go to bed, but you go driving. At least that's what happened to me. Highway 2 uh, in L.A. is fantastic after dark because there's no lights up there. So if anybody's coming anytime near you, you see headlights on the distant mountains long before anybody gets to you, which is really helpful. However, I, mean, I don't know if I told you about my Utah one, Paul, a couple of years back. No. Uh, is that uh... – I, I left – I left the house in the Sabaru at about midnight, and I went for a drive. Mm. And the reason I do this is because the thing that driving does is driving starts to take enough focus that the brain has to let go of what, at least for me, has to let go of what it's chewing on. The thing that I'm going round and round in my head about and I can't get away from if I go drive, and I really go drive, my brain is kind of forced to release that, which is why I do it. 
And then I'm starting to able to get some perspective on it. Once I get back from the hard part of the drive and back on the freeway and I'm cruising, now I've, my brain's kind of cleansed of the obsession, if you will, and I can think a little better. That's the reason I do it. So I went on a drive in the middle of the night here in Utah in the fall, uh, and it was about midnight, and I'm hammering up this road near here in the Sabaru and enjoying myself. And I got to a place where I was like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. I feel, feel a lot better. I'm going to turn around now. And I had the same thought you may be thinking, and that is middle of the night in the fall in Utah, what about wildlife? That was on my brain. What about wildlife? I hadn't seen a thing. <laughs> pulled off into a turnout that I knew to be a large turnout, and when I pulled into the turnout, the turnout had about 15 large elk in it. Oh, my gosh. Which I didn't see until I got into the turnout. I mean, luckily, I'm already breaking. But I turned for the turnout, and my headlights suddenly panelled to a bunch of elk. Boy, were they surprised. So now I've got elk clambering away from the front of the Sabaru as I come to a stop in the middle of, <laughs> in the middle of this large turnout. I think they were like, why are you bothering us? But, yeah, it was a, like, it was hey, a bull. Man, a, come on. Why you got a bunch of cows. That? His whole harem was hanging out in, the, <laughs> in there. So they all ducked off into the trees like, what are you doing? And I thought, all right, well, there's my, my wildlife for the night. But I was wrong. Now I'm heading down this mountain road. And I came around a corner. It's a full 180. And I'm, of course, sticking close to the apex. And as I come around the corner, right at what pretty much would be the apex line, I notice right before I get to said apex, what looked to me almost like a walking basketball. And so I ducked off of it. It was right on the white line at the edge of, the, at the edge of my lane. Oh. It was a porcupine. Oh. It was a porcupine as big as my front wheel. Of course, all of his quills, because he was just ambling down the road, all of his quills were aimed roughly my way. Luckily, I saw him in my headlights a split second before he became my apex cone. So I ducked around him. But I just thought, well, no wonder I've seen random, enormous porcupines dead on the road. Because apparently, if you're like me and you're an idiot and you're driving in the middle of the night, you smack a porcupine on the apex because he's just ambling down the road. So this is the danger of uh, random Utah, I'm frustrated, night drives. <laughs> I don't want to know what a porcupine would do to a car at speed. <laughs> I don't want to know. I know. Ugh. Yeah, you, you drive home with quills in your tires. What's that look like? <laughs> Wow. No, you didn't tell me that story, but wow. Yeah, that, that is a thing. And especially around where I live, deer is a real major issue. Yeah, absolutely. Especially yep. at night. And there have been some pretty gnarly accidents. And I see yes. fresh carcasses yes. almost daily, which is awful to say, but it does happen. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a pretty mm -hmm. big deal. And yeah, deer on the road, they just dart and there's nothing you can do. Yep. So it's... Yep. It's almost like, you know, at certain times, if I'm driving late at night, I will cover the brake with my foot. Just, you know, go slower, slow down. There's just mm -hmm. no need. And uh, I'm hyper alert for deer. Uh, I hope, yeah, I never, ever have that happen to me or, uh, or yeah. anybody. Um, but, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Well, I've got uh, one last one here from Christopher Gatsky, and he is asking okay. – I, I feel like he's poking me from a design perspective, and I will just <laughs> tease you, Christopher, just to, with a few things, a few thoughts here, because it's it's something Todd and I always talk about, and we always evaluate cars and look at them a certain way, and it's why we like to see cars in the flesh, and we try to photograph them and shoot them in such a way that what we're seeing translates, and the things, the beauty or the not beauty that we're you know mm -hmm, attracted mm -hmm. to or not attracted to comes across in a certain way in our videos. 
So Christopher's asking, how do you read the lines of a car, whether it's you know beautiful or what strikes you, those kinds of things. And he gives the Jaguar E-Type as an example is beautiful. Of course, the Ferrari 250 is a beautiful example. But then those shapes not translating to other cars. Well, <clears throat> I will tell you about DLO, and that's car design talk for daylight opening. So all the windows. Interesting. Okay. And yeah. what the signature shape looks like. For BMWs, the Hofmeister dogleg kink is a copyrighted, trademarked yeah. thing on BMWs at the rear glass, mm -hmm. at the C-pillar or D-pillar, mostly the C-pillar. Um, but I will say from Unless you're the, driving. Is, is this because of the X4 and the X6? No, sorry. Go on. <laughs> and it'll be seen on the X2. Guarantee you. Oh. And the Grand Coupe, it's on the F-pillar. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you're always evaluating a car generally from the axles to the shoulder. And the shoulder line is where the glass meets the sheet metal along the middle of the car. And so that's, that's mm -hmm. called the shoulder of the car. And that's generally where the theme of the car is, where the, the most sculpture is going on. And then down low... You want some sort of upward-facing surface that gives you a highlight, and then it's all about proportion. So you want to break up that tall body side. Either either it is tall and it's left tall for a certain look, like an SUV, or it's broken up with the lower rocker being you know, a different texture or color or something else. That's why the Porsche Macan has that carbon fiber strip thing yeah. that can be either yeah. painted or black or something. It visually breaks that up. But the main mm -hmm. theme of a car is, again, from the axles to the shoulder, right in there, so that the headlights will define it. And then what happens with the fenders is it rolls along the shoulder and tucks around the back of the car. You want to look at lines that wrap around the car. Less successful designs yeah. Yeah, yeah. mean the lines just stop. And it's, it's jarring. It doesn't flow around the car. The E-Type, everything flows around the car. And that's just surface development. But designers yeah, will... It's not, yeah. will They'll look at their car and design it with highlights and lines. And so look at those things, again, in that middle section of the car where the theme is defined. Mazda does a great job now of defining, you know, more nature-inspired themes. Uh, mm -hmm, you know, you mm -hmm. see it in Audi. You'll see it on the A5. It just has very subtle humps over the fenders, over uh, each of the wheel arches, things like that. That's where you want to look for that. You know, that's, that's where designers yeah. spend most of their time. And the reason is it's because where five or six surfaces come to a single point and you have to yeah. do a transition. You have to resolve all these surfaces at the base of the A pillar, the base of the C pillar. All these surfaces mm -hmm. are competing and fighting. And so what you do there defines what that car and whether you like it or you hate it. So that's what makes, yeah, that's makes or breaks a successful design. Hope that helps. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you guys would not believe the random stuff that Paul has taught me standing in an auto show and watching a car spin. And one of the big things that I think about it from a filmmaker perspective, one of the big things you're responding to is the way light reflects on a car. Yeah. Where are the highlights? What do the highlights do? And when you get a really cool design, <clears throat> building on what Paul's talking about, he's shown it to me. You can see things where from the point around the headlights – you can see some cars where there's a line that gets picked up through the headlight and it carries all around the car. It goes through all the fenders along the body sign and it, it, and it figures out a way to exit through the taillights. When they do that well, it's phenomenal. You take something like an E-Type, it doesn't have a crease in it, but you can actually watch that flow just from a, from a highlight perspective that comes off that front light 
all the way over both the fenders along the top of the door and over through the taillights. There is a ref there is a highlight line that goes through there. Even though it's not a crease like you'd find on modern cars, that highlight still exists. And uh, staying with the filmmaker theme, we'll sit there sometimes with our polarizer on the front of a lens. If you turn it the wrong way, you can kill all the highlights, and it just becomes mm -hmm. a car that almost looks like it's matte-painted finish. We try really hard to back that off to allow the highlights to exist because especially when you're down low at kind of like axle height of a car, you see so much more not only design but just personality and, and shape structure by allowing those highlights to live. Uh, yeah, and, and you've stood with me in an auto show and been like, hey, look at that line that gets picked up right there. I'm like, I didn't even notice that yet. <laughs> you do it all the time. It's funny. I love talking about this stuff. I love noticing and, and appreciating you know, surfaces that you think, why is that there? And then you start to follow it with your eye, and then you start to see more of a car, which is so mm -hmm. much fun and, and really appreciate it. And some cars are unsuccessful. Other, others feel like they're just churned out. And then there's ones that you feel like, the design team took a long time on that. They really did some nice work there. Yeah. They really yeah, yeah. worked hard. And then you just stare at it longer and you think, okay, that's that's successful. You know, I just, I love breaking stuff down, you know, like that. So anyway, anything else before we wrap up? Any other questions stand out to you? Well, no, I, I think we're good for the evening. But I do, I am going to kind of call you out a little bit on the on behalf of the audience. We're going to need to try to find a venue where we can get more of that design breakdown from you out and it, it, and, and accessible to the audience. Mm. And we've been talking, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving a behind-the-scenes tease here, we've been talking about some ways to maybe do that. Because, look, I can, I can riff on design, but I'm either A, looking at it from a filmmaker perspective and going, that's pretty, or B, I'm essentially stealing stuff that Paul has taught me. So the real thing to do here is to get Paul to actually share the stuff that he sees when he looks at a car because it's stuff that the rest of us aren't seeing. So that's a, that's a unique skill that you can bring that we need to get showcased a little better. So uh, we're talking about ways to do that, and I'm kind of calling Paul out and also teasing you, the audience, that we're playing in those waters for 2017. We'll see where it goes. Man, there's so much coming. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. There's no pressure. There's so much there coming. Yeah. Oh yeah, 2017 is 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 set up to be pretty big, and we're excited. But uh, but 2016's been massive. I mean, you know, yeah, stuff like pilgrimage and stuff that we did for the first time, that's gone really well. So we're excited about what what's next. It has. And again, if you haven't seen that yet, that's our love fest to BMWs, and check that out. I Todd did an amazing job on all the editing and and everything that went into that. Just notice sound mixing, cars driving, the speakers, you know, the, the whole sound mix, the color, and the storytelling. I mean, just, yeah, all the work you've done on that. So huge thanks. And uh, hope you I all enjoy it. that. We're at four films um, now, which I cannot believe. Yeah. Four full films. And at, and at the premiere, my son stood after the premiere and was hard-selling people to buy Blu-rays. I did not instruct <laughs> him so along cute. these lines, but he stood there with a box of Blu-rays, and you would swear he was giving people the guilt trip. It was ridiculous. My wife said, I'm pretty sure we sold a few Blu-rays that nobody was – that person was not planning on buying, <laughs> but couldn't – but anyway. So, yeah, anyway. but So my son is trying to push Blu-rays on you. I'm sorry about that. But uh, we do have all those films available on Vimeo and, and on Blu-ray. And thank you to those of you that have already watched them or uh, have left reviews on those. Those reviews help us as well. And then I should say on a personal note, since this is my last podcast of 2016, uh, thank you guys for listening, for rating, and just for engaging with us in general. I mean, there's lots of emails and Facebook messages and stuff that goes on behind the scenes with you guys that doesn't even make it to the podcast. We really appreciate that. Uh, I am going to go away for some <laughs> rest time. And uh, you guys are going to go on. Paul and Chance will be here later this week. 
but uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope you get some great time with your family, and I will talk to you again in 2017. Awesome, awesome. Well-deserved. Well, yes, as you heard, one podcast left. So until then, everyone, cheers. Cheers.